Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Inside. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan-sided network. We're taking a look here at the running back position today in the 2022 NFL Draft as we continue our breakdown on that. But before we get to that, Paul, well, I would say Xavier Howard is a very rich man, but he was already a rich man, and now he has the Dolphins have fulfilled their their promise from last year when they just tweaked uh, a few details of this contract. They have given him another contract extension, and this is a hefty one. He's going to average $25 million a year, and he is going to be the first cornerback in NFL history to have five fully guaranteed years throughout uh, his tenure. That You know, you take a look at the last two years as well as the first three years of this contract – which basically he's going to get $55 million. It's, it's a lot of money, and it's going to be a lot of money paying him into his 30s. But the good news of that, the Dolphins have one of the best cornerbacks in the league here. He's happy. We don't have to deal with the same stuff we did last summer where there was trade talks. And in a year where the Dolphins are really trying to win the next two years, you've got to have Xavier Howard here. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as the player goes – this defense, it's critical that you have two very, very good corners. And we've got that now. We've got that locked up now, given the way they converted Byron Jones's salary earlier this offseason, given the extension to Xavier Howard. The cool thing for me with this, though, is I think we can all agree that as, as slow as it started, Chris Greer killed it this offseason. And one of the big things as well is he honored his word and he stated it publicly again this offseason that they had promised X they were going to rework his deal. They honored it. They took care of one of their own. And those are things that, you know, just think about when you look at a prospective employer. If you know they take care of their people, that can be a deal. A, a, um, that can be what seals the deal for you. If you know that they don't take care of their people and don't live up to their word, that can be a deal breaker for you. So this is a cool thing, not just as far as Xavier Howard's concerned, you're showing all those young guys in that locker room. We'll take care of you if you do what you need to. And you're showing prospective free agents, not just this year, but in following years that you're going to live up to your word. And there's a lot of cool things with that as far as the long-term implications for Miami and Bravo. Chris Greer just absolutely killed it again. Well, I'll, I'll say a couple of things here is one cornerbacks don't age well into the thirties. And that's, that's the thing that's a little concerning, but you've got to have him here the next two or three years. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you've got to hope that 
that he is kind of the exception to the rule. And he's been the exception to the rule in a lot of areas uh, in his in his career. I mean, you're talking about somebody who has the most interceptions across the NFL over the what the last five years by far. And so we hope he doesn't lose a step here going forward. It, it is a lot of money. Um, but with the salary cap expected to rise dramatically in 2023 and 2024, hopefully that offsets some of that. So yeah, congratulations to Xavier Howard. That's going to be the big thing. Sorry. I just wanted to touch on that too. Like looking at what the cap's supposed to go to over the next three, four or five years with the new TV contracts with Amazon and the extra games and the extra playoff teams and the extra playoff games and all those things. Every time that the NFL income jumps dramatically, it jumps the salary cap because it's directly based on the revenue that the league makes. So this league is is really well positioned to drive forward and, and, and take league revenue to an astronomical level, which is only going to shoot that salary cap through the roof. And I wouldn't be shocked if three or four years we have a salary cap that's in the 300 plus million range. We'll see. And yeah, that, so Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, back at cornerback. And on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. And in a pass-dominated league, man, oh, man, is, is that nice to have a cornerback and a wide receiver. So let's go. Um, so taking a look here at the running back class, Paul, before the Tyree Kill trade, um, the, you know, we were looking at, the Dolphins drafting a running back, at least I was late in the first round, or maybe at pick 50, you know, or we're also talking about, Hey, are they going to, are they going to wait till, you know, late day two or day three, like the 49ers did last year when they drafted Trey Sermon in the third round and Elijah Mitchell in the fifth round. So that's quite a possibility. So even though the Dolphins right now only have five picks, third round, fourth round, fifth round and two sevenths, then you know, it, we still expect the Dolphins, or at least I do. I expect the Dolphins to draft a running back at some point. Yeah, no, I I do as well. It, it definitely uh, when they signed Chase Edmonds, I'm like, all right, it's sliding down a little bit. I, I know you and I were a little different in terms of most of the time. I was typically looking at the third round uh, as the start of running back territory, but it's it's you know they signed Chase Edmonds. I'm like, all right, priorities sliding down a little bit at the running back spot. And then they signed Raheem Mostert. And I went, all right, priorities sliding down a little bit. And then they did what we did expect and we talked about, and, and they re-signed Savan Ahmed. And one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we look at the running back spot is even Mike McDaniel came out and said, look, what we look for at running back, it's a little bit different than what other teams do. And so that that's something we have to take with a grain of salt. I think smart pass catchers with speed is kind of, in that flavor profile for, for Mike McDaniel in this offense. Absolutely. And the, what they're looking for is somebody who can get into the hole quickly. And that's been a common theme with the signings of Chase Edmonds, with the signings that with the signing of Raheem Mostert, we saw that um, for the 49ers and what they valued at running back. And you've got uh, some players here that do fit that bill. So there's looking at the class, the running back class from a high level, yeah, the way I looked at it, and I think I'm I'm looking at it. I've always looked at this class a little bit differently than other people. 
I view it as Brees Hall and Kenny Walker are late first, early second round prospects, mm-hmm. and then a massive, massive drop off to the point I wouldn't draft a running back to day three in the fourth round. That's how I've always looked at the class. And, and the reason for that is you look at Brees Hall, who athletically surprised everybody by testing out at the combine, 439-40, 10-foot-6 broad jump, over a 40-inch vertical. And this is a guy that has, over the last two years at Iowa State, over 3,000 yards rushing and 46 touchdowns. He had back-to-back seasons where he had 23 total touchdowns at, at for Iowa State. And somebody who can plant his foot in the ground and burst up field, and he has elite contact balance. He is hard to knock off his feet. But obviously the Dolphins are not going to get a shot at, at, at him at pick 102. Maybe they trade up, but I very highly doubt that that ends up happening for one of these top two backs. And then Kenny Walker um, had over 1,600 yards rushing last year for Michigan State after transferring from Wake Forest, also ran in the four threes. And you take a look at you know, the two biggest games of the year for, for Kenny Walker, 197 yards rushing and five touchdowns and a win over Michigan, sixth-ranked Michigan in their biggest game of the year. Also, 172 rushing yards against the University of Miami, um, who was also a ranked team. So big games against big-time competition. So, you know, Paul, I'm kind of curious. That's how I look at the class. I'm, I'm sure you've got a little bit of a different opinion on that. Yeah, I do. It's, I mean, C.J. Spiller's dropped dramatically during the offseason, but he was running back one heading in. Um, but again, it's, it, it's, if I don't see Greer trading up for running back, I don't see Spiller being available, Isaiah Spiller, sorry, um, being available when Miami picks at 102. I don't see any of those three being there. The guy that I really like, and, and given the fact that we got Mostert, given the fact that we got Edmonds, given the fact that we're bringing back um, Gaskin and Ahmed and, and those guys, I see it a little bit differently for a running back to be able to make an impact right away. And we are a win now team. And, and that's being multiple. That's why James cook has been one of the big targets for me this off season, because he can go in there, line up at running back and, and, and really do a fantastic job. But then he can also be out there, stay on the field, and you go five wide, and he's just as good at wide receiver as he is at running back. So being able to be multiple, being able to be a movable chess piece, that's going to be huge, especially with a a coach like Mike McDaniel who has shown the ability to take advantage of strengths and weaknesses and and utilize those movable chess pieces. Certainly. And if you want to look at James Cook, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook from Georgia, um, you want to see him at his best, uh, turn on the game from when Georgia played Tennessee. He had over 100 yards rushing in that game and at one point also split out a wide receiver and beat a cornerback for a touchdown. I mean, crafty is the word I use with with James Cook. And when you see him on the field, he's not the biggest. He's 5'11", five, five 199 pounds. He's not the fastest either. He's not, he's not as fast as, as Kenny Walker or even Brees Hall. But He's kind of that Swiss Army knife. And, you know, he never, you know, James Cook never was the, the bell cow back for them. You know, Zamir White uh, uh, ended up getting, you know, was the one that got more carries. And he's somebody 
that's going to be drafted here in the mid rounds too. And Zamir White's more that powerful guy that goes north to south, where James Cook is is your guy that you can move all around the offense. And this is an offense, Paul, that you Mike McDaniel for the 49ers as their offensive coordinator used motion 82% of the time, by far the most in the league last year. You put James Cook in that offense with his experience using motion. Maybe he's a consideration for pick 102 if he ends up falling to that spot. Yeah, I kind of feel like he's just he's kind of the perfect piece. Is he the best in class? No. But is he the best for us? I think he might be. Uh, another guy that I would consider and not uh, once we start hitting round four uh, and further on is, is Damian Pierce out of Florida. He is a little bit slower, but he, he plays quick. He plays smart and he runs with a little bit of violence. And he, get, he, he does what you said and he gets to the hole quick. And that's something I really like with him. And a lot of these guys can really do a good job catching the ball out of the backfield, which is another staple for, for Mike McDaniel. Right. Damian Pierce, I, I wrote down in my notes here, powerful, violent, and just solid across the board because he's pretty good in, in uh, he's got good hands in the passing game. He's not going to, you know, be beating cornerbacks or safeties out there on pass plays, but uh, he's, he has very good hands and probably the best pass blocker of this, in this draft. So I had a hard time separating after Brees Hall and Kenny Walker. Once you get down to that third, fourth round area, I had a hard time separating several of these running backs, Damian Pierce, James Cook, as well as Isaiah Spiller. Now, Isaiah Spiller, when he was projected to be a first-round pick in mock drafts this past summer, I always thought, no, that's way too high. He's a laggy running back. He's six over six foot, 220 pounds. But when he gets out into space, he can make you miss, and he's creative after once he – once he gets past the first wave of defenders, once he gets past that defensive line, and when he's out there um, as a receiving threat too. And he can also be a very good blocker. So, you know, if when we get down into day day three with when the Dolphins are picking in the 120s there, if Isaiah Spiller's there still, I, he's somebody I would certainly consider. Um, and then after you get past those first five running backs, things really start to cluster up too. Uh, I'm a Mizzou fan. And it's not a biased opinion. I, I would still have the same opinion whether or not uh, I was a Mizzou fan or not. Hey, I didn't like the Charles Harris pick. And that one I was right on. And Harris has since done well for the Lions. But anyway, um, Tyler Beatty from Mizzou is certainly the smallest running back of these top 10 guys. Um, but And I don't care that he only ran in the mid-4-4s while Brees Hall and Kenny Walker ran in the 4-3s. He presses the hole get and gets into the hole quickly. So when the Dolphins run those vertical stretch plays, to me, he's going to be three, four yards past the line of scrimmage when other running backs would only be a yard past the line of scrimmage. So, And from that point, even though he's a smaller guy, I, I think he's a lot harder to take down than people give him credit for. So someone who had over 1,600 yards from Mizzou last year, you know, in that – fourth, fifth round area, he's somebody I would certainly consider. I would too. I mean, a a couple other guys out there that I'd actually avoid. And this one broke my heart. I really, really like Tyler Algier heading into the combine. Absolutely loved what I saw of him on tape. And then he ran almost lineman slow at 4'6". 
And four four range, I'm good with. Four five, mm, let me see how you hit the hole. Four six, I, I can't do it. And that's uh, you know, and that that would eliminate guys guys in the later rounds like Snoop Connor and and Kennedy Brooks as well. Like it's unfortunate because you have to be able to play with speed. This, this offense is being designed around speed. There's no secret this offseason. Getting Tyreek Hill, loving Jalen Waddell, getting Raheem Mostert. Um, and some of these guys just don't cut it for this offense, even if they're going to be good football players. Uh, but Ty Chandler out of North Carolina is a guy that he's sneaky good out of the backfield catching the ball, and he's very – quick decision-making wise to hit the hole and he, he he's going to be there in round five six yeah and i don't pay attention to 40 times as much for running backs as i probably do for other positions but you're right it's it's hard to see mike mcdaniel if he's going to take a running back in this draft saying yeah i want the guy who ran four six uh, now tyler algier too uh, out, of, out of byu very well rounded um you know Good in the pass game, good blocking, has a little bit of power with him. I, I just view him as well round, a well-rounded, decent back. He was productive, you know, last year at BYU. Again, over sixteen hundred yards for him too. We had a lot of running backs in this class that that put up big rushing numbers last year. So yeah, I could see him mid to late day three going to somebody there and and earning a starting role or, or earning a backup role with some team. And somebody said in the chat too. Um, a, a point I think we need to touch on. Uh, Big J said, are, why are we all done with Miles Gaskin? And, you know, the, the short answer is he's not a great fit in this offense. This, at running back, you really have to be able to get upfield quickly and make quick, decisive decisions with the ball in your hands. That is not Miles Gaskin's game. Uh, but Miles Gaskin also could be that third running back, that third down back who's out there in passing downs because he is really good in the passing game. So if the Dolphins were to cut him, which I don't, I don't think that would happen, they'd save $2.5 million. Um, so right now, Gaskin is the clear third running back. What's going to be interesting to watch is among that fourth group of running backs with Patrick Laird and Savan Ahmed and, and Garrett Dokes, which running back of this group is going to come in here and challenge for that fourth running back spot? Because I expect the Dolphins to, to carry four running backs. And maybe even start to nip at the heels of Miles Gaskin to be that third guy. At least that's how I look at the running back room right now, Paul. No, and it's funny because when you when you were just talking about Gaskin, one of the things that immediately popped in my head is in this offense, Gaskin's probably going to be the more athletic, better Patrick Laird and be that third down running back that's catching a lot of balls in the short area out of the backfield. Um, and... and you know, not every third down because Chase Edmonds is, is very good uh, coming out of the backfield receiving as well. But it, it might be that scenario where Gaskin is the new Patrick Laird, which spells doom and gloom for Patrick Laird himself, even though he's got a good rapport with Tua. And Patrick Laird and Isaiah Ford, it's going to be fascinating to see if they end up at any point on the team this year playing a role. Dude, if, if 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 Isaiah Ford lines up in the backfield like a fullback on one play, I'm going to cry laughing while I'm, I'm messaging with you during the game. Just, <laughs> just so you're aware. I, I did 
last year at one point see Isaiah Ford at like in the backfield, like in a shotgun mm-hmm. next to Tua. And I was like, oh my God. I guess he's a fullback now. So um, <laughs> um, um one one quick one one point I want to go back to real quick. It's you know I've never been captain 40 time when it when it comes to the running back position. So long as you're not egregious uh in one direction or the other. But watching the way Mike McDaniel schemes the offense, he basically tries to create a lane that's going to collapse at some point. And what he truly wants out of a running back, and and you can see it, is somebody that can hit that hole and hit that lane quickly and try to get through it while the walls are closing it. And that's where... It's a little more critical to me in terms of 40 time in this offense than it's ever been with any of the offenses that Miami's run in the past, uh, because especially at the running back spot. Yeah, that's well said with the running back needs to, needs to get through that hole as the walls are closing in. And that's a perfect description of how this running game is supposed to work. And having a healthy Raheem Mostert or Chase Edmonds trying to run through that instead of Miles Gaskin could be the difference between an eight-yard gain and a 50-yard gain. And that's why we're looking for speed here at the running back spot. And you're not going to find it with uh, Kieran Williams because if you're (laughs) – we're talking about 40 times. But Kieran Williams ran a 4.72 at the Combine and then ran slower at his pro day. As a comparison, Teron Armstead in the 2013 draft ran a 4.71. So (laughs) – That's Jordan Davis territory. Uh, yeah yeah absolutely well and and one thing with kieran kieran as well is not only is he slow but he's small like you can't be five nine under 200 pounds and run that slow and expect to be an nfl running back you're just you're just a walking target at that point for some big body linebacker or some hard-hitting safety to come ruin your season Right. Yeah. I mean, I will say this about Kieran Williams, one of the best third down backs in this draft. And the comparison I used for him was former Patriot Kevin Falk, where he's somebody that's he really has an understanding of the passing game. He's a legitimately good route runner uh, out of the backfield. But from a Dolphins perspective, if you're spending a you know fourth round pick on Kieran Williams, you're going to do that to replace Miles Gaskin, which at, the, at that point, what's really the point of that? So I would be stunned if Kieran Williams were, were a possibility for the Dolphins in any round. Um, but uh, also Grandizer and Grandizer, thanks for all the work you're doing there in the chat. Mentioned uh, Ty Chandler, who's actually one of my favorite running backs in this draft and to me, one of the most underrated guys in this draft. Um, I mentioned he, Ty Chandler. Just the show? Yeah, I talked okay, about him. Go for it. My bad. He's one of your favorites. Talk about him. <laughs> you're, probably talk, you're probably talking about him with a fullback at some point, and I just blocked you out. Um, you, you, you just black No, because I, I talk, oh, man, you just blacked out when I talk, don't you? To, no, I don't. Only when you talk about fullbacks uh, and other nonsense. But uh, uh, <laughs> if we're- no, um, t- Ty Chandler, uh, w- he was uh, Tennessee. Tr- he went to the University of Tennessee, played for four years for them, then transferred to North Carolina and just played one year in North Carolina. He took over for that platoon of Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So had a big responsibility and ran for over a thousand yards, six yards a carry, 
six foot, 210 pounds and ran a sub four, four and had a great week and a great East West shrine game. So he's somebody who's moved up from a late round, or I think into that fourth round area too. He's long and he's lean. He's his running style can be overly patient, which makes me wonder if he's going to be, if he would be a good fit in this offense. But, you know, I also think too, that I look at Trey Sermon last year for the 49ers and I didn't think he would be a good fit in a Mike McDaniel offense because I thought he was a one-speed guy, overly patient. And the Niners drafted him and thought that they could tweak a few things with his game. Could be the same case here with Ty Chandler. But to me, one of the more underrated running backs in this draft. Oh, another one that's kind of a deep cut here is Tyler Goodson out of Iowa. I mean, I know he's on the smaller side, which I don't think McDaniel really cares about. Um, there's a lot with him that kind of reminds me of, of, of Eli Mitchell last year. And he could be a very fun player. I mean, he was third, third team, all big 10. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm utterly shocked. He's ranked as low as he is on a lot of boards. If, if you go out and you watch his tape, he hits the hole. Well, he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he can block adequately, which all of those things allow you to do the things that Mike McDaniel likes. And he may be at the bottom end of undrafted potentially as far as that goes. And who was that? Uh, that was Tyler Goodson out of Iowa. Gotcha. I was just kidding there. I, I <laughs> wanted to. I, I've watched a lot of him over the last week, too, and I like him as well. And he had over a thousand yards for Iowa this past year. And, you know, he's definitely on the thin side. But you want to talk about somebody who can get upfield quickly? He certainly can. And it's not just because, you know, he ran a ran a good 40 time. He's you, you see that on tape and. Yeah, I, I think, too, that when you start looking in that, maybe he does slide down all the way to the seventh round because of that size and because he doesn't fit every offense, but he would certainly be a steal at that point. Um, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati, is an Ala- he went to Alabama, was buried on their depth chart, then transferred to Cincinnati, had 1,319 rushing yards this year. I liked him a lot more when he was projected as kind of a sixth, seventh rounder. He's a kind of a good just all-around back doesn't stand out in one particular area not very creative but certainly I would say rosterable um, if he's down there in that those late rounds I would certainly be interested I don't put him up in the same tier though with Damian Pierce and Isaiah Spiller and James Cook uh, that a lot of other people have him at though so he's somebody to watch out for uh, Brian Robinson somebody we haven't talked about is somebody who will probably go Higher and somebody I, I don't see factoring in for the Dolphins. He's not, you know, he's a giant running back, 6'2, 228 pounds, ran a 4.53. So impressive triangle numbers there. Um, had over 1,300 yards for the Crimson Tide this past year. If you're looking for really just a bell cow type of running back that's going to absorb a lot of hits, I think Brian Robinson is your guy. And then again, that's also something I don't think the Dolphins are going to be looking for out of their running backs. No, but a guy that could match up with what Miami does like to do is Rashad White out of Arizona. Uh, he's got a great frame at 6'2". Uh, what was he? 210, 215, I think. Uh, ran in the four fours, went over 1,000 yards, hits the hole well, uh, and, and he, he's a three-down style back where he can catch the ball well out of the backfield. I think he's caught 44, 45 passes in college for about 500 yards. Um. And somebody that could step in and be effective and should be there 
in round five, round six, um, maybe not round seven for him. Right. He's at Arizona state last year. He had a thousand yards rushing and also 43 catches for 456 yards in the receiving game too. I'm lower on him than a lot of other people. Maybe it's just because I get too many Kalen Balaj vibes from him. He's an oversized back. He doesn't change direction or move particularly well, but he does have impressive production and, and workout numbers for his size. So yeah, I, I say somewhere there and somewhere in day three, he'll probably figure in. Um, Hassan Haskins from Michigan is somebody that, again, may not be the best fit in this offense, but the question starts to become if, do the Dolphins need a running back on their roster somewhere where, you know, if it's, if they're up 27 to 17 in the fourth quarter and you need somebody to, you know, you know, stick his face in the fan and take those hits in the fourth quarter and wear the clock down and get that third and one, does someone like Hassan Haskins make some sense for Michigan? Um, only really was the, the guy for one year there, but had really impressive production in that one year too. I mean, he's, he's had, I got to flip the page here for this one. Uh, 1,327 yards rushing 4.9 yards per carry. Only a lot of these other guys are over five yards to carry some at six, but uh, is a compact type of no nonsense runner. Somebody that in, in day three is going to figure in for somebody. Yeah. And another guy too, actually, that I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet is uh, Pierre Strong uh, out of South Dakota state. He ran in the four threes. He runs with power. You'll, you'll watch him run over a linebacker at times, but he also is just as likely to juke him and, and, and blow by him. And once he gets in the open field, he's gone. And he's somebody that scored a ton of, a ton of touchdowns in college. And I'm actually a little bit shocked how lowly he's ranked uh, on, on a lot of these draft boards because I think he's somebody that can come in and contribute right away, uh, even though he's probably coming off the field on third downs, especially with the options that Miami has. Yeah, Pierre Strong really surprised me when he ran a 4-3-8 because watching him on tape, I don't think he plays to that. He seems a little bit uh, kind of like with Isaiah Spiller, a little bit laggy where his, he doesn't get in and out of his cuts really well, and that's something that worries me a bit. But, yeah, he's somebody who's going to f- figure in on, on day three, too. I mean, unbelievably productive there at uh, South Dakota State, uh, 1,686 rushing yards. Before we move on from him, just because I know we're, we're, we're running down some of our, our, our final guys here, he also threw eight touchdown passes in college, and that's something to keep an eye on here. As you know, when when Miami grabs Cedric um, at, at wide receiver, one of the points that McDaniel made was probably throws the best ball I've ever seen from the wide receiver position. So we all know Mike McDaniel does like to be deceptive, and having multiple guys that can throw out of multiple situations is not a bad thing. Right. It's always going to. I mean, versatility and keeping defenses on their toes is what Mike McDaniel is all about. So, yeah, Paul, we've talked about a lot of running backs here, too. And another one is uh, Devontae, Devontae Price, who is really on the skinny side. But as far as an outside zone running scheme can get to a spot quickly, somebody who, who might might factor in and. You know, as far as real deep sleepers, I'm struggling a little bit. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin 
from Florida State is somebody who had a horrific injury a few years ago, but certainly has the size to, he's got a good size speed combo. So somebody that if you can get over the injury and, and you see him, see him there late in the draft, seventh round, maybe as a UDFA too, wouldn't, would also make a lot of sense. Um, Keontae Ingram from USC, I'm not very high on. I was watching a little bit of tape of him yesterday in a couple of games and two games in a row, you know, he got a toss play and I think I thought 15 running backs in this draft could have turned the corner and turned it up field. And even though Ingram ran pretty well, I didn't feel like he could get to that spot and he didn't even try to get around the corner. So not somebody very big and, and I don't think very, very fast to the perimeter. So even though he should get drafted in the sixth or seventh round, I, I hope the dolphins kind of steer clear of him. Um, Abram Smith from Baylor, too, is a fascinating guy because up until this past year for Baylor, he only touched the ball 13 times. He went from, or he only had 13 rushes for Baylor up until this past year, and then he had, again, over 1,600 yards. It's a common theme with these backs. He went from, you'll love this guy, from fullback to linebacker, back to running back this past year. So he's a one-speed guy. uh, He's got a lot of patience. Um, if you're looking to roster somebody as your, you know, kind of your backup fullback and your third or fourth running back, he would make some sense late in the draft too. All I heard was Iron Man football. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, another, another guy I want to touch on real quick is Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers. Um, he's somebody I grabbed in my mock draft for the Dolphins. And he's definitely worth a late round flyer. He's got the speed profile for this offense to be able to run through that lane like we talked about earlier. But he's also got a little bit of power to him, too. He's got a sm- uh, a short but stocky frame to him. Um, he can level a linebacker if he gets up there, but he can also cut by him. And he he doesn't have the extra gear, but his first gear is pretty damn good and, pr- and pretty quick. So he's somebody that could be worth that late-round flyer, to see if he's able to truly do what he did in college to be able to, to just get through that lane. And, and he uses his hands well when he's running with the ball. So there's a lot to like with him for a Mike McDaniel offense because as those walls are closing in, he can use his hands or his shoulders to just create that ah, last little bit of wiggle room. So instead of getting crushed by those walls, if he's right at the end, he can shoot out the other side. and that's something I think McDaniel would be able to play with. You bet. And Grandizer, you're you're killing it in the chat with the projections of where these running backs are supposed to go. Really helpful for this discussion. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, and we've run through main. We've we've run the gauntlet here. I'd say. And uh, Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma is he doesn't stand out in many areas. You know, he's he doesn't have great burst. He's he's has good enough size at five eleven two fifteen, but of all the running backs we've talked to, I believe he's the only running back who played division one football and had three seasons of 1000 yards rushing or more. He had 1056 back in 2018. He had 1011 back in 2019. He missed the 2020 season. And then in 2021, this past year, 6.3 yards a carry 1,253 rushing yards. I will also say too, he played at Oklahoma and in, in that conference, it's easy to get yards, <laughs> but somebody who also should be drafted here somewhere in day three. Um, 
Paul, this, this has been fun. I'm, uh, I'm curious uh, at this running back group, if you had to pick one running back in any of these rounds for the Dolphins that would represent the best value. James Cook. James Cook. What would pick? Round three. Okay. Yeah, I... <sighs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your question, but I already knew. No, my no, no. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> of, of, of myself. You didn't cut anything off here. I, I would say... I would say Isaiah Spiller in round four because I think he has he has a real chance to fall to that spot because he tested so poorly. I think he plays a lot faster than that. And when you look at his build, the long legs, it's surprise. You know, it it doesn't surprise me that he didn't jump out of the building or run an incredibly fast forty time. So, um, the, the interesting yeah. thing with 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 Spiller, um, just while we're talking about him again, real quick, is I. God, who was it? Somebody ran a comp this week and I saw a few people talking about it and I can see it where the comp for him was, was Arian Foster. And I don't know about you, but I take, I take a young, healthy Arian Foster in this offense any day of the week. That was the comp for James cook. No, for Spiller. Oh, for Spiller. Okay. Uh, I could see that with the thin build. I think, I think Arian Foster was more of a, north to south type of runner um and spiller i think is somebody that you need to get out in space a little bit and once you get out in space he can then from that point even though he doesn't look like he tests light i mean he, he doesn't test with those numbers to make you miss he does make you miss out there in the open field yeah i've I, a lot of interesting comparisons that i, I don't necessarily agree with from spiller uh, lance zerline compared him to rashad penny uh, I think Penny's bigger. Uh, yeah, I don't care for that. PFF compared him to Damian Harris, which to me makes no sense. And Bleacher Report, TJ Yeldon. I, I could see that a little bit with the build, but I don't know. I he, And I got to be honest, I don't know if he's related to CJ Spiller. Maybe somebody can look that up. And I'm not saying that, that, they're, that they're the same player at, at all. CJ Spiller was fast. I mean, he got the ball and he was off to the races. Isaiah Spiller's not that way, but in the open field with the make you miss ability, I see a little bit of that. So yeah, we'll see. I, in addition to Spiller in the fourth round, I think also some great values that could be had would be Tyler Beatty. If he fell to the fifth round, um, because of his size or if Abram Smith ended up falling there into the seventh round, that, that would make some sense too. Either way, I, I think you can get a, a third or fourth running back here on day three. Yeah, and, and for me, if if you're going to grab a running back in the seventh round, I don't want it to be so much about somebody falling as somebody that you see tremendous boom or bust potential um, where if you hit and if they are what you think they could be, you know, it, it's you're totally overvaluing that draft position uh, as far as, as, as a running back position goes like, all right, if, if Isaiah Pacheco can use that speed and power the way we think is possible, um, this, this late round flyer in round seven could just go through the moon and, and, and be an effective guy that challenges. And that's where you start taking those, those, those bigger swings to see if you can hit one out of the park. Now, my one complaint with Pacheco, though, is this past year at Rutgers, he ran for, he didn't average four yards a carry. Mm -hmm. So the production 
certainly not there. But then again, he played for Rutgers. R- Rutgers can barely throw a football out there. I mean, <laughs> off they are not known for offensive football. So when you get, it, but there is also a reason he's projected to be drafted because mm-hmm. he does. He you know the size speed combo, and if you get to the NFL, you have those measurables to get into the game that a coach can work with you on that. So yeah, that, that it, it, late, late in the draft, it's going to be fascinating to see which, which of these running backs, the dolphins decide to grab. Cause I do, I'm very convinced they'll grab one of them. Yeah. And, and it's, you, you just hit on something too, that I think is relevant for any of our draft shows and really just for, for analyzing players uh, coming out in the draft. It's you really want to look at the production they could have, not the production that they had. And especially with a coaching staff that prides themselves on being full of teachers and being able to extract from these players what their ability allows them to be able to do, not what they've done in the past. It's just like when you see some of these teams pay players for who they were, not who they are or who they're going to be. And that that's something for me where if, if you brought Pacheco in with our offensive staff last year, I would have looked at it and just why bother? Like, we're not going to use him to his ability. He's not going to, like, we're not going to get anything out of him. Our scheme sucks. But this year, he he's a guy that I think could come in. He's got time to develop if he doesn't get there right away. But if if McDaniel and, and, and Frank Smith and all those guys see something in him, and he could be one that's a fun guy, maybe not this year. Maybe next year, maybe the year after, where, you know, and, and that's not just true of Isaiah Pacheco, but some of these other guys in the late rounds or even the undrafteds. Um, so, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and just in case folks are worried, we're not covering fullbacks this episode, but we've already kind of got a plan for talking fullbacks with our tight end group. So that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Keep, uh, it'll be fun for one of us. Um, keep an eye out for, that show here sometime during the week and we're, we're going to bust that out there at lunch at some point uh, during a, the weekday and be sure to catch the replay on that too i'll have a lot of people that, for both of us cat don't you worry. yes you will yes you will uh, i'll i'll sit here rolling my eyes for 20 minutes while we go through <laughs> fullbacks but uh <laughs> it's necessary to talk about unfortunately uh but uh <laughs> a lot of people in chat there uh, what's up ryan uh jamel oakley good morning uh, greetings from Germany, Oliver Delfs. Guten Morgen, Oliver. Guten Morgen. A lot. We're we're expanding internationally now, so uh, it's it's very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's just about it. Uh, we're that's going to do it for our running back breakdown here for the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, through a Dolphins perspective, we're going to go through position by position. We're going to cover every single last position whether they are a need for the Dolphins or not, because you never know. The Dolphins might end up acquiring some more picks somewhere. Maybe it's from Devontae Parker. Maybe it's from a different player on the roster. We'll see. Um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.